Welcome to the show where three friends rate, debate, and investigate the films you'll love to see and hate to see. This is You'll Love to See It. Welcome back to another episode of You Love to See It. I am joined here today with my two friends, Caleb Runman. Hello, Zach. And Eric Zhu. Well, hello. And we are discussing films, as usual, this week. But before we get into our two, and yes, I mean two movies of the week. Two movies. Normalize it. <laughs> we, uh, we have an intro question posed by uh, Mr. Zhu. In honor... Of the trial of Chicago Seven's extensive cast, what is your favorite ensemble movie? All right, well, Eric Zhu, would you like to go first since <laughs> you posed the question? I'm just gonna keep it brief. No, nothing else needs to be said. It's the ensemble movie, Nashville. Oh, I, I had a different guess. I know exactly what it was. What, yeah. what was your guess? It was Magnolia. It was. It was. Yeah. Sad. Well. Because Eric just broke my heart, I'm going to break his and oh, no. say my favorite ensemble movie. You're going to say Endgame. No. <laughs> it's actually Infinity War. I have, I have standards uh, for this podcast. No. To break Eric's heart, my favorite ensemble movie. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. <laughs> I don't know why that breaks Eric's heart. I'm unfamiliar, but... Uh... I, I think I spelled a little bile. <laughs> Um, I didn't know we were doing, I guess I realized it's not supposed to be, or it's just favorite, but uh, I don't know, this isn't my favorite ensemble movie, but it's one that was is an honorable mention because I saw it and I was like, you know, I feel like this film needs to be talked about a little bit. Uh, talk about it. My Let's favorite, I'll just that. say that real quick, my very favorite ensemble movie is easily The Breakfast Club, but this is uh, hmm. with Eric's guy, uh, John Hamm. Oh, uh, oh, he is my Bad guy. Times at the El Royale. Uh, oh, okay. It's a solid movie. Um, I was a little worried you were going to say Baby Driver. I was not going to say Baby Driver. Uh, we Keeping do, up with the <laughs> There's several people on that movie, uh, Baby Driver, that we uh, are no longer going to be mentioning. Uh, <laughs> they have been canceled um, for good reason. But no, uh, Bad Times at El Royale. I uh, saw it on an airplane. Solid movie. I think you'd really enjoy it's it. The best place to watch a movie. Is that? It really is. That, that is an ensemble. I watch. You know what? I real quick before you know where I watched. You know what movie I watched on a plane? What movie did you watch on a plane? Um, when I was going to Europe last a few summers ago, I watched First Man for the first time on a mm. plane, and I was actually it was like nighttime. Honestly, a thrilling experience. You know, uh, and a great movie. I watched Kill Bill on a plane. Thrilling experience. <laughs> I still haven't seen Kill Bill. Amazing experience. So, I watched Kill Bill not on a plane. Was it also a thrilling experience, no. though? No. He's not a fan. No. Uh-oh. All right. Well, I'm sure there'll be enough There's arguments today. Uh, so I guess we'll start with our first movie, or we'll introduce both of them. The first movie that we watched a few days ago was the classic horror movie, uh, probably the most well-known in terms of, like, just, like, I don't know. Would you say it's probably it's got to be one of them, right? Like the in most, terms of what? It's, it's I don't know. Well-known zombie movie. How about it, it, that? It's, How about yeah, that? Night of the Living Dead, uh, George Romero's uh, Night of the Living Dead, and then the second movie we watched uh, yesterday 
uh, was the the trial of Chicago Seven. Trial of the Chicago. The 7. Chicago Seven. God, I I gave it such it's a like high rating, and I can't even. You, you didn't forget the possession. <laughs> you're forgetting the articles. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we're gonna start with uh, George Romero's Night of the Living Dead, and I'm gonna hand it off to Eric to introduce the movie. Well, Night of the Living Dead. Um, it is George Romero's 1968 classic, starring Dwayne classic. Jones and Judith O'Day as um, two, just two of an ensemble of characters who find themselves stuck in what's almost like a pandemic of people suddenly falling ill and becoming zombies, eating people alive, infecting people. And this is pretty much the trailblazer zombie movie that um, essentially forms the like stru- basic structure we get for them now. Um, it is, yeah, wildly influential and something that we're, I would say, excited to talk about. Yeah, I think, is this, <laughs> is this everyone's first George Romero movie or no? It's mine. It is mine. Is it yours, Eric? Yeah, I think so. Um, and it's, uh, the movie's from 1968, so, so, so someone quick math, quick math. What's some quick math here? Uh, 52. 52 yeah. years. Oh my gosh. My, my dad was not even born yet. That's how old this movie was. That's kind of crazy. I mean, I uh, there's a lot to say about this movie. And what Hello, Eric Mr. mentioned, <laughs> what Eric <laughs> mentioned towards the end of his uh, description was that it, it kind of set the stage for uh, modern horror, at least for better or for worse. For, for better, <laughs> for worse. Uh, in my opinion, for better, uh, it set the stage. Maybe not for the modern horror movie, but the ho- the modern uh, zombie horror movie, especially, and just the dro- genre as a whole. I mean, every Everything we we get about zombies, whether it's, uh, you know, comic books, TV shows or movies, is inspired mostly by George Romero's initial kind of new twists to the genre. I'm, you know, we, I mentioned before to them that I'm, I'm kind of interested to watch some zombie genre movies from even earlier before George Romero to see kind of how things were different. But this this definitely set the stage as someone who enjoys the zombie genre in a genre that's flooded with a lot of shit like it's uh it, it yeah well we're, we're, we're gonna talk about it i i i obviously i will let's say enjoyed it, the movie um <laughs> so i guess let's start with uh with the opening of the movie um which to me is my least favorite part it's but i think my best the best I, yeah, part eric yeah, is favorite part, part for you as well and uh, that in the ending um I think so. The movie starts off uh, just a brother and sister visiting the grave of their father, right? It's their father. Yes. The mother's hut. No. Oh my gosh, we're. That was a mother, or even a grandmother. <laughs> no, because the mother was at home. They were talking about how the mother couldn't drive all her. Like uh, she made them go for her. But I don't know. Maybe it wasn't a husband. It was. Some, they were brother and sister. Yeah, that, that's that's the main point. They're in a graveyard. You know, some there's some some bantering going on, some brother sisterly love, you know, but, uh, you know, the brother is, is you know, kind of being a dick and, uh, you know, p- poking fun at her being scared of a graveyard. And then, you know, he's the he becomes the first victim. He, of, gets what's uh, coming. he, he does get what's coming in a very uh, interestingly 1960s. Uh, um, They're coming to pace, get you, like. 
movement in the way the zombies attack and everything silly like looking. that. It's very silly. silly. <laughs> it, maybe I'm spoiled by just how good. I'm going to say this looked really good in terms of makeup and things like that. But in terms of um, someone help me with the word here, because I'm really going to uh, in terms of like movement, the actual choreography, um, I feel like it's just unbeatable today. Maybe it has to do more with like camera and, you know, we're going to get know, into next, some some theory, <laughs> some, just some, some film theory today, I think. But I'll just say that, you know, we don't have to make apologies for the fact that this was made in 1968. We don't we don't have to think it's a better movie than it is because because of flaws. That's fair. Of it's time period. I, I do think the choreography throughout the movie is a, is a little silly. Um, I I don't really have much more to say on that end. Um, but the majority of the movie, I guess we should just say this. The majority of the movie takes place in an abandoned house. Um with a, a ensemble cast for the most part it starts with two people or one uh the woman whose name Barbara. I'm Barbara who then meets uh Ben who I would almost say is not I don't know if he's the protagonist but he's yeah. he, he gets the most screen time and yeah. things like that um and then later on if like four other people kind of join two couples yeah two couples there's a kid and it basically becomes this, this like, oh, we're trapped in the house and, you know, two hours or not even. It's an hour, right? Hour and a half. It's an hour and a half. Hour and a half. Like, well, at that like point, it's an hour. Um, yeah. <laughs> it feels like of, two hours. <laughs> how do we how do we manage the situation and how do we survive? Um, yeah, I guess. Uh, what do we talk about first? I, I, I want to talk. I guess I'll start first by talking about the actual the threat, the zombies in this film. Um, one, I'm going to give major props to George Romero for revolutionizing the zombie genre. Um, and I truly believe that. There was an interesting letterbox review um, that I no longer... Uh, here it is. Um, but basically, they talk about how a lot of the things that we we consider um, norm in, in the modern zombie movie or TV show originated from George Romero, the idea of someone um, getting eaten and then coming right back to life, the the idea of, you know, stabbing a zombie in the head, uh, things like that, which might seem mundane because they're so well known now, are in large part due to the revolutionary ideas that George Romero had. And I don't, I, maybe it's unfair to say it's only George Romero, but it was certainly the first time that it had been put into action. And I feel like it completely changed the the landscape of zombie movies and zombie TV shows, things like that going forward. Um, and in the movie in particular, um, you know, they're 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 always there. They're this constant threat that's, uh, you know, always being talked about, always, always kind of listening in the background one of my favorite moments in the movie is actually um you know and obviously this is spoilers <laughs> if you haven't seen a 52 year old movie but uh w towards the end when uh the mother is I'm, I'm i'm so bad at names i think her name was is it helen helen cooper uh she was walking downstairs to see that her daughter had basically turned um and had come back as a zombie. And she comes down, and all you can hear are like the banging and and screaming of 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 what's above. And now she's trapped in this room, you know, with her daughter. And not necessarily trapped, but she, you know, becomes 
numb by the pain of seeing her daughter. And then what I think is one of the most horrific but, you know, amazing scenes is this the daughter grabbing the uh, – what, what what even is that? Like a, just yeah. a yeah. garden. Yeah. yeah. It it's like, like a, a garden. Like a gardening tool. Yeah. Like a, it was a gardening like a tool. Is that a pile? I am, I'm yeah, not an like expert. A little like spade. And then he, she proceeds to stab her mother like 20 times in the chest uh, with uh, this object. And it is probably the most gruesome moment in the movie and kind of like really, to me, the strongest moment of like, this is like, this is the the meat of zombie of the modern zombie movie the the idea of this 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 destruction and horror and and the blood and uh things like that and uh, i really enjoyed that scene but the main point i was trying to say and then i'll shut up because uh, i'm interested in your opinion was just the, the hearing the, the 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 zombies do they ever use the they don't ever use the word zombie or they don't even say living dead in it i don't think right what do they yeah, they say ghoul they say, they say ghoul they say ghoul a lot there's the the constant – there's a good at least 10 minutes where the radio is in the background or the news is in the oh, background. It's a lot more than 10 yeah, minutes. Yeah, it's a lot more. And it's constantly being spoken in some interesting 1960s language where they're talking about ghouls and and things like that. Like, yeah. Anyways, um, yeah. Uh, Eric, Caleb, uh, what – what before we, before we bash this movie <laughs> – what is something you really liked or what is something you felt <laughs> the movie did well? Um, I really like, before we get into it, I really like the first 20 to 30 minutes where I, I really enjoy the opening. It's like, starts off slightly funny and then you realize like how real everything is. And, and then it gets into this, like just absolutely deranged, almost silent movie for 20 minutes. It's, like full of just expressionistic shots with like crazy shadows and it's i think the only part of the movie that truly feels like pure chaos and like terror to me it reminds me of like something like roman polanski's like repulsion with like like this woman who is like losing her mind like all these hands like coming out of the walls like she's like but in this case it's like barbara running through like the shadows are everywhere she is like swallowed by her own silhouette like she's seeing this dead lady on the stairs she saw her brother die she's crashing the car i think that part is legitimately exciting and something that i wish we saw more of these days as it's essentially literally just using like visual elements to convey convey horror and that's just before it devolves into whatever it is um and the other thing i i would i really enjoyed was um the ending, which I, I think I'll let Caleb talk about, but I think really sets the, like, social, sociopolitical context of the film in um, a lot more um, detail. It, it, put, it makes it very clear, and I, I think that, that definitely, definitely is very effective, especially with the, like, ending credits. Yeah, I'll say real quick and then let Caleb go that there's, there's... Especially in this movie, it's very, very uh, apparent in this movie. But the zombie genre is often credited with being a genre focused on this idea of um, perhaps uh, in this movie, it's it's a police state. The idea of a police state, um, the idea of the horror being something a little bit out of our control, but societal is a classic but who is the real living dead <laughs> yeah yeah no, it's, 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 it very much is it, it, you know it, it's like you know in a lot of modern zombie movies now you like 
for instance, I, you know, I'll be referring to The Walking Dead as my main thing. I'm not going to say it's a piece of uh, pure uh, five-star entertainment, but, uh, you know, the whole idea is like, oh, there's more, you know, oh, the people, you know, it's not, at the end of the day, the zombies, the, the living dead are not the real threat, um, although they are a part of that. But yes, this movie and Trial of Chicago, of the Chicago 7, both have some very uh, large-reaching, uh, I guess, dialogue. So, What did I like? <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I I agree that the the opening is strong. I, I like, you know, the relationship between Barbara and her, her brother. I think it was was entertaining for the short while it lasted, and um, yeah, when it becomes a silent movie, that was interesting for a minute or two. Uh, then I then I became a little tired of it. Uh, I think tired of this silent nature itself as well as for the reason it became silent, which is Barbara just becomes utterly useless. Like, not even a... She just yeah, stops she's being like a, drop a, a person. Yeah, <laughs> and which was, was, was off-putting. Uh, so that because that motivates the whole silent bit, uh, I think that takes some of the air out of that for me. But yeah, the ending, like, like we just covered, you know, uh, just puts the whole movie in perspective in a different perspective and does it deserve it though does it deserve it i don't know but it works anyway i think um yeah because you're so obviously so focused on the zombies the whole time and there there is some build up to the ending place in the middle uh which which is good so it didn't come completely out of nowhere Mm -hmm. um yeah, it, you know, it, it makes you, as, as Eric said, question who the real uh, enemy is. And uh, to be able to, to come away w- with an idea or a question like that after what is, you know, a you know, silly little zombie movie, for it to have a little more weight is, you know, something to appreciate. Yeah. Um, I guess I'm going to mention a couple other things I like before we go on to things we didn't like. Um, I, uh, you know, I enjoyed, uh, the acting Dwayne Jones, uh, I thought it did a, did a barely good job. There's definitely some very outdated aspects of the movie. I don't know if that's the right word to use, but there's some interesting moments specifically when Barbara is, you know, trying to plead to go save her brother and, uh, Ben, the protagonist just knocks her out and, then she wakes up and he doesn't mention it. And he's, you know, there's definitely a lot of blatant, I'd say, I would say sexism. You know, there's there's this idea of a, of a weak woman of overreacting. Um, that, that definitely struck me the wrong way. Um, and I can't justify it being 1968. Um, you know, it does have, you know, for it being 1968, seeing a, a, a black man as a lead role is is great, but that doesn't, in my head, take away from the fact that there are some very questionable things throughout the movie. Um, but, that, you know, I didn't write the movie, you know, so that it is how it is. Uh, but there were, I, there were some things that were off-putting. Um, I, I'm getting into bad things. I meant to say some good things. Um, <laughs> it really turned really quickly. I was mentioning Funny that, Dwayne, that Dwayne Jones did a great job. Uh, I really enjoyed the the 
the ending, but the the 20 minutes before the ending, um, I thought everything post the fuel car explosion was very good. I liked when the zombies started to, and, and this is just my thing as someone who's a very big fan of the, the chaos of large zombie crowds. And, you know, I, I've seen a lot of the zombie genre. It's my favorite probably of the similar genres. Um, I enjoyed that whole section. Um, again, though, questionable things by a protagonist letting Barbara or not yet yeah, letting Barbara just get snatched away. L literally, there was like 10 seconds of the camera on him, him doing absolutely nothing while she is getting taken away. Uh, so is he a hero? Uh, I mean, he also kills another man. So, yeah, there's some very questionable. Uh, that's part of the movie. But um, it's crazy. Though. Every time you start <laughs> talking about something good, it turns into something bad. I do. I do enjoy that last big section. You know, you know, the zombies breaking in the chaos. You know, he shoots the other guy. You know, the, the little girl eats her father. She stabs her mother. And then, you know. And then that the ending, you know, which we mentioned where he, you know, he comes out, he thinks he's, you know, survived and he gets shot by the, by the, you know, militia that is trying to regain control. Um, so, yes, that's what I liked. What I didn't like, um, I think we'll have a good amount to say about this, um, but we do have to move on to our other film soon. Uh, what I will say that I didn't like, I mentioned some of the questionable moments in terms of the blatant sexism and perhaps... Uh, just disre disregard for some things that I I, I, I don't know. Again, I, I, I hesitate to defend the movie based on the premise that was made in 1968. I don't think that's a great defense in that retrospect. Um, uh, the acting was fine. Was fine. Besides Dwayne Jones, I thought it was fine. Um, the the makeup was good. I will say that I should have mentioned on the good. The, 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 uh, Choreography was not my thing. I did not like how the zombies moved. I didn't like how they interacted with things. It felt a little too janky for me. <laughs> um, and there were some just weird moments. I, I noticed one little thing. I don't know if you guys noticed this. So you notice uh, the very beginning of the movie, uh, when she comes into the house, she sees the dead body that's right there on the stairs. And it's like, it has no face. Like the whole body looks like it's been basically burned or eaten. Later, about... 30 minutes later, when the main character, uh, Ben, is moving that body, the body's perfectly fine. Like, in the cut, you can see the face. It looks like a normal person. So, uh, those little discrepancies, maybe that shouldn't knock a film down, but just was like, okay, the, you know, how do you make that mistake? Is it because the you didn't have enough money? You know, the film at the time, I don't know what a typical film budget was. This is a shoestring. This cut is a shoestring. Yeah, I would, I would uh, roughly a hundred thousand uh, was the budget, but I don't know. I'm a big realism guy, um, and I love The Walking Dead for the fact that it makes it feel real to me. And I, I know that sounds crazy for a zombie movie, but there were just some disconnects that took me out of the of the film. That's a, that's a good part, right? That is not a good part. <laughs> <laughs> um. I would just like to talk on shoestring budgets. This is not related at all, but Kelly Reichardt's Old Joy was made on a budget of $30,000 back to wow. the Living Dead. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. Yeah, I agree with you that the movements look bad. They look almost like a parody of what we see now. <laughs> they really do. Uh, Thriller? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so like 
intentionally doing a satirical imitation of the modern zombie movement. Um, yeah, it's not like our bodies have evolved to be better at that. So we talked about the radio uh, exposition that plays through what felt like half the movie is just the radio is playing in the background trying to explain the situation. We get it. We get what's yeah, going on. Too um, much. <laughs> Eric and I were talking about this before. Um, Eric brought up how zombie movies are, are confined movies like this with, with a kind of supernatural or, or non-human threat can become boring when it's obvious that everyone is going to die and these characters are left to just sit and argue with each other for however long. It feels pointless, feels like filler, and it's it's not really fun to watch people argue for, for no reason. Um, when when it feels like there's nothing at stake yeah, because you know no they're going goal. to die. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and um, the acting, I thought, was bad outside of Dwayne Jones. Um, especially... Um, oh, God. The Say guy it. who played Tom. <laughs> uh, Wayne. Oh, man. Felt like he was, he was reading his lines off a cue card off screen. <laughs> and you know it just didn't really capture me at, at all and I, I just it was very easy for me to to just see what was going on and say this isn't interesting why should i care i'm gonna be a little nicer than that i i actually didn't mind the movements really like the choreography at all i sort of liked the way they were like sort of asleep um, I, like, I, I can see what you guys are saying with the parody, but I, I didn't, it didn't bother me at all. Neither really did the acting or the, or the expositional, like, radio. I thought the radio especially just added, like, a, <laughs> that was, like, a nice texture. And, like, to be fair, it is, like, if hypothetically this, re this, like, situation were real, that, that, like, is how you would be getting information. Like, no one would be, like, these people have been stuck here. Like, they don't, they don't know, they don't know anything. I, I guess, think, it, I think it's just too much of it. I didn't think it was that. There were, I, I thought there were only like because it was the the radio like and then the two television or three sections. Like and like the main television section where they're talking about storming through all the way to like Willard. I think is the town is like like max five minutes. You know what I mean? Like I I, I personally didn't think it was too much. Like I think it might have felt overbearing because a lot of the conversation centers around like the radio. Just like when is the radio going to be on? Like what is happening to the radio? Where is the radio? <laughs> um, I just think. As sort of Caleb said, like my main issue with the movie is just, is just like I don't like the I don't like the formula of it. Like obviously this is the movie that created the formula, but I, I've just never found that specific formula of like chamber piece survival movie where survival is impossible and there's no end goal. I've just never found that enticing at all. So I get I guess that's just where my um so like the moment, um. Duane comes in and it becomes like we have to do this 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 and this and then we slowly see everyone else come in it's like we're going to do this now we're going to do this now to survive and you know there's no way any of these people are going to survive that's just the moment that started happening I just it, I, I just checked out yeah um 
what I will say, um, I guess we should move into final reviews. Um, this will be mine, unless there's anything I, else I you want to say. Something? I have a okay, question go ahead, go ahead. for you, Zach. Yeah. Uh, this is something I want to talk about in the film theory range. Um, <laughs> uh oh. So you've credited this movie for revolutionizing the genre. Yes, I was gonna. I am gonna say some more about that, and perhaps um, not. Re- I'm gonna say some maybe anti that. Okay. Uh, but yeah, sorry. Go ahead. I do. I do. I do think it did. In yeah, some yeah and like, it, it did. It yeah, definitely yeah, did. Yeah, I, I agree. It, uh, and you know, norms of the genre originated here mm-hmm. with Romero. Does so? Two questions. Okay. Does the fact that this is such a big influence on the genre. Does that make this movie a better movie? And does it impact your star rating? Yes, it does. Um, should it? Probably not. Does it? Yes. Why? Uh, I'm human. Uh, <laughs> no, um, I, I, think it, I think there is a level of respect um, maybe not respect, but there is some admiration for seeing where things grew from. Um, I'm going to mention here in a minute that I think, although George Romero revolutionized it, a lot needed to be refined, a lot needed to be refined. And I will not discredit the work that has been done into the very, very now modern zombie genre, which as much as I can criticize the writing of, for instance, again, I'm going to say the walking dead. I've watched it all the whole thing 10 times. The, I cannot criticize the the choreography the 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 makeup the the way they are able to take the idea of being confined and make it something more important there's a bigger goal there's something more at stake there's there's a bigger idea and you're and and maybe because that's a tv show maybe you're getting you know it's very different um it's comparing apples to oranges but i do agree there are some very glaring issues with this film but I, I will have to, it does affect my star rating in a positive way because I know that this set the groundwork for, for more to come. Um, and, and so that makes this movie a better movie. It, it makes me, I think it made me watching the movie view it through rose-colored glasses. Um, so perhaps the things I felt or minor critiques maybe became a little glossed over because I took it as a sign of, okay, this is new, this is fresh, there's bound to be some hiccups. Um, there are things I cannot excuse uh, and thing, and, I, and I 100% believe I, I, you know, you, I can't fully base a movie upon whatever effects it had or anything like that. But I will just admit that it probably it probably is a little bit higher than what I'd give it, what I would give it. Um, or a little bit lower than what I gave it uh, in terms of, yeah, do I hold some nostalgic? Is it a weird nostalgic considering I was not born in the 60s, nor did I ever see this movie before? Yes. Um, but I, I, I yeah, I, I don't know if it's as much, but it, I would say, well, here, I'll just give my final thing. Um, I, I enjoyed this movie. Uh, there were some very big um, issues I had with it, but overall, I do believe that at its core, at the, the the blueprint of the modern zombie and how it redefined it uh, to mean something a little bit more and to make the threat a little bit more real, I think it did a good job at that. And overall, I think I, I, I feel confident in giving this movie three and a half stars. If you were going to ask me to remove bias, which I, is very hard for me to do, I would probably knock it down a little bit. 
but I still I still feel as though I am comfortable with my rating. But yes, if that answer does that answer your question? Is that yeah. is that an unfair response? I um, mean it's your it's your response. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, I it, think it is. It is what it is. I'm I'm interested to see more. Um some some gaps, you know, there's a huge gap between, you know, 68 and 2010, 2020. So I'm interested to see more uh, zombie films and see maybe if they're if maybe George Romero's alterations were a little overrated. So I don't know. Eric. Hmm. Yeah, I I personally have never been a fan of the zombie movie genre for pretty much the reasons that I, I said before. But I, and like, while that definitely hampered my experience watching this movie, I, I really did enjoy the first 30 minutes of this movie. It's, I think it's really hard to find other horror movies that aren't like <laughs> the cabinet of Dr. Caligari that can like, that I think express horror in like, in that sort of concentrated, really visual way. And I, I really did enjoy that. Um, and I do, I do really like the ending it makes this little like shoestring movie i think i think it makes it feel like if it wasn't the sum of its parts before it feels that it makes it feel like at least the sum of its parts by the end and i i think it's like definitely like a worthwhile experience watching so i ended up giving it three stars so in my opinion um a movie's quality is not subject to the impact it has on its genre. The movie is the movie, and that's just my form of evaluation. Um, so because of that, I, I can't, in my, in my rating, give it credit for you know the influence that it would go on to have. I, I try to approach... Uh, my evaluations with a more you know structural mindset and because of that I, I can't really excuse the the elements that just lacked how how the story just kind of slowed down and graded down and you know predictably ended in blah right before the very ending at least the 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 core of the story before before the social commentary uh i can't excuse how old it feels how i feel like it it doesn't really hold up not just because of you know how the zombies move then compared to not now not because of the eff effects even not just because how it looks well Actually, no, it probably is, is, is because of how it looks and, and how it sounds. Uh, it, it just it feels very outdated. And when you look at other movies in the 60s, you, you know, you, you see that it's not really... The Umbrellas of Sherborne. That's a great example. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not really f fair to just say, oh, it's old, I'll give it a pass. I, so I'm not going to give it a pass for not being great but influencing its its peers I'm not going to give it a pass for being old when you know the the movies of that time simply looked better like eric said the Impress of sherborg and to provide perhaps an unfair example this came out the same year as 2001 a there, space there's a different budgetary constraint of course you know? of course that 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 is that is where the the unfairness lies but um you know i I'll, on a subjective level too, 
the monster movie is not generally my thing. Um, but I, I was rarely interested and oftentimes bored or, or actively off put by, you know, acting by sexual politics. Um, and, and by, as Eric mentioned, the, this formula, which doesn't really go anywhere. So I gave Night of the Living Dead two stars. All right. Today's podcast is going to end up going a little long, which is fine. I think we've had a great discussion so far, and I think we're going to have a good discussion of this movie as well. Um, but yeah, we'll move on to our second film, The Trial of the Chicago 7. It is directed by Aaron Sorkin and written by Aaron Sorkin. It is his second ever directed movie. Um, Aaron Sorkin is also written uh, The Social Network, Moneyball, Steve Jobs. Um, he's written numerous TV shows such as The West Wing and uh, The Newsroom. So he's a very well-rounded uh, writer and has now started to direct more. Um, <laughs> maybe I'm giving a lot of credit uh, and you'll see why. Um, but yeah, The Trial of Chicago 7 uh, is uh, based upon real events um, in 1968. Uh, when there were peaceful of the living dead. <laughs> when there were peaceful Ooh. protests at the 1968 Democratic National Convention, uh, what followed was months later under a new president, uh, seven uh, leaders of kind of what they called the uh, radical left are charged with this conspiracy to incite riot, uh, are charged with uh, conspiring to incite a riot. And the movie basically follows the entire trial. Um, most of the movie takes place in the courtroom. In fact, I'd say 80% of the film is in the courtroom, uh, which I love. Uh, but uh, the movie has a very stacked cast, and it has to, it's the reason why our intro question was about ensembles. Uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, um, Eddie Redmayne, uh, Jeremy Strong, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Michael Keaton is in it for a while. Um Yaya Abdul-Mateen. Yeah, there's there's a lot. Uh, there's even like some that are maybe like lesser known. I noticed, I, I told this to uh, Caleb because he has seen one of my favorite TV shows, Person of Interest. There's like several minor characters that are from that TV show. And I know they're not, they didn't like get stardom from the TV show, but it was just fun to see them. It's a big cast. It's, it's, it's a very, very strong cast. Um, and yeah, most of the film follows the, the, um, the courtroom and then there's a lot of i would say flashbacks that go and explain some of the events they show maybe how each of them got charged certain things that are kind of unrelated but related um there's flashbacks to show kind of what happened in during the peaceful and then peaceful protests and then the riots um so it's no by no means is it an entirely linear movie um but it is very very dialogue heavy and it is very, it's very Aaron Sorkin dialogue heavy, which in some ways is uh, pretentious um, or can be viewed that way and cheesy, perhaps um, over the top at times. But in my opinion, superb. Um, Aaron Sorkin is, is an interesting writer. And if you've seen... The social most of us here have seen either the social network or some of his other works and i think we can all agree he's got a very distinct way of writing 
dialogue and of of just writing films in general. Um, but yeah, I guess I, this this it's hard to really start at one one spot. Um, and since I've already talked so much, I'm gonna start with uh, Caleb. Um, and I just want to hear what he enjoyed about this film. <laughs> Giving me some tough questions today, Zach. <laughs> what did you like? <laughs> I was entertained uh, for the most part. Um, I liked probably the third act the most. I think that's when pieces started coming together before the ending. There's one sequence in particular uh, when Mark Rylance's attorney, uh, William William Kunstler, yeah. and Eddie Redmayne's Tom Hayden uh, have a back and forth uh, where Hayden is, is uh, doing a, a mock, a preparation, if you will, of... Of taking the the witness stand and and counselor his lawyer is uh, acting as the opposing attorney and they're they're going back and forth on on uh, how Hayden would answer these questions when Hayden uh, says something that would would get him into a lot of trouble and that's where it's that's a very intense moment it's cut back and forth between the real events that they're discussing and this uh, interrogation it it feels like. And I think that's when the dialogue in this movie is at its best. That's when you get the real Sorkin rapid fire, more uh, explosive language um, that you're used to. Uh, one of the few times the music, I thought, aided the, the movie instead of hurt the movie. Uh, or I should say added to the scene rather than you know distract you. I think it is a more uh, accurate way to describe that. And the intensity of that scene was, it reminded me of, of peak Sorkin, and I wish there was more of that in the rest of the movie. Yeah, and I think that's also my favorite scene, precisely because I think it's one of the, like, one of the best moments in the movie that highlights the, like, subjectivity of it all. Um, I think, like, elsewhere in the film where they use flashback, it's used purely as exposition um and the cross cutting is used as like the replacement for someone's like as the replacement for whoever is taking this whoever is talking like it the flashback is their retelling where this is one of the only cases where the flashback is simply there and we get to see like both quote-unquote subjective interpretations um yeah i I I thought this was a fine movie. I was also entertained. I like the performances. I really liked Sacha Baron Cohen's performance. I personally thought he gave the best one. I thought Yaya was very strong as well. Um, I thought, yeah, for Sacha Baron Cohen, I thought he had the best mix of his sort of, like he plays this, almost this like, uh, like this hippie yeah. who is like, very strong and also very like he's very very much so hippie i think he he represents that energy very well whereas someone like jeremy strong falls a little too hard on the on the hippie side which i also having seen like a lot of interviews with him just like 
had a, had a lot of cognitive dissonance, um, like, uh, placing that imagery on him. Um, but yeah, I, I think I will say in terms of Sorkin's dialogue on this one, it didn't have the, I don't know how to say it. It didn't have the like quippiness of it to me. Like, I feel like in the social network, this might be unfair because I'm grabbing like the most iconic scene, which is the, um, the opening, the opening scene between Jesse Eisenberg and Rooney Mara and just like that rapid fire, like, like, um, like snarky dialogue. Um, and I just didn't feel that at, I didn't feel that really as much in this movie. I think this movie, I almost think that if I didn't know it was Aaron Sorkin, I wouldn't know it was Aaron Sorkin. And I, I think part of that is because like this movie is totally very strange to me. I think um, like on one hand, I think like the courtroom is the perfect setting for Aaron Sorkin to showcase his his strengths as a writer, which is these like monologue heavy, really fast paced, really polished like pieces of like pieces of prose pretty much. Um, but I feel like whenever this movie tries to like get into a rhythm of that with like serious, really like fun um, dialogue. It tries to add in strange bits of comedy. It goes to the flashback. It like, I don't know, it, like it, really, especially for me, like there were a lot of really strange moments of comedy in here that would like stifle the tone and in conjunct and like it was either that or like in conjunction with the music that I, I felt like was a lot. I, it took me, it definitely took me out of it a bit until like, until pretty much like the third act and a lot of, I think Yaya's, a lot of Yaya Abdul-Mateen's work, um, where it started, like, as Caleb said, coming together. Um, I, yeah, that's, that's my basic thoughts, I guess. All right, here I go. Um, <clears throat> I really love Aaron Sorkin, um, so this is me telling Aaron Sorkin to hit me up. Uh, but <laughs> sponsor, uh, yeah, sponsor us, Aaron Sorkin. Please. I enjoy his films. I enjoy his TV shows. I enjoy his writing. I now enjoy his directing. Um, I love this movie, and here's why. I'm gonna start at the beginning. The intro of this film was spectacular. Uh, you're kind of thrown into uh, the events. You're seeing this. Uh, you're seeing this grimy politician. You know, talk about how they're just gonna make this political hack job to bring these people to court for almost no reason. Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is almost like not a fallen angel, but he's just this character that you know has a moral compass, but is being asked to do what he needs to do to keep his job. Um, and then the intro that the, you know, seeing the different cutting to the people, uh, the different groups as they're preparing to go to Chicago, it's exhilarating. It's exciting. You're meeting the characters. You're getting an idea of the history. It's great. I love that. Um, I love, love, love anything that has to do with a courtroom. Um, I, I do mock trial at Pomona college. Um, I've always been interested in law. I've always been interested in what goes on in a courtroom. And it is perhaps to me the most underutilized uh, place in films and TV shows. There are so, there's so much potential I view. Um, there's a lot of very terrible TV shows and movies that deal with the courtroom. And I think 
there's a lot of magic that can come from there. There's a lot of magic. And I think Aaron Sorkin knows that. And I think he he delivered, in my opinion, his best writing um, of his career uh, with this film. Um, I I really enjoyed um, the, 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 the dialogue that was more comedic. I thought it fit the characters personally. I thought it, it allowed some... Uh, some believability in the fact that these are real people who are, you know, completely saying screw you to to the government and to uh, the establishment. And so having the more humorous pieces come from people such as Cohen, uh, I thought was very well handled. Um, again, I uh, I loved the courtroom scenes. I loved when they had witnesses on the stand. They'd have these cuts to flashbacks of them actually being people that the group interacted with and didn't know were undercover. Um, I liked the bits where it became more focused on the actual trial. I liked the parts where um, there there because there's some very there's some very real stuff in here. And like for instance, the juries um, the when the when the when it is pretty much presumed the prosecution uh, sent the letters from the Black Panther Party to two of the jurors to get them sent off. Like those are those are things that like those are things that can happen and do happen. And and I, I like those things. And I liked I liked the parts where it was very focused on the actual trial. Um, I love the, the group dynamics, the, the 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 relationships between the characters. Um I really liked the actor who played the judge, um, Frank, Frank Langella. Uh, oh, um, I, I don't know. Yeah. It's one of the two. Um, <laughs> I have never, I have never hated a, a a judge more, and I've been up against a lot of mock judges at mock trial that I did not like. And I'm just gonna say this judge, wow, um, made me hate a lot. Um, overall. I like the <laughs> 10 minutes Michael Keaton was in. It was pretty cool to see that. Love um, yeah, I have a lot of good things to say th about this movie. I love this movie. It is perhaps, uh, it is my favorite movie of the year so far. And based on my rating, you'll see it has the potential to be one of my favorite movies um, that I've ever seen. And it, it, it just happens to speak to me because it already got me in with the, the history. And as much as I <laughs> hate to say this, but a biopic, it, it, it just, it, it grabbed me and it, I, you know, I, I noticed not that, not that you guys weren't feeling emotion. Cause I know you have empathy. Um, but, uh, just a little throwback. Um, when I was sitting on the, on the chair, I was just like reacting a lot and like, that's how I knew the movie had really grabbed me personally. Um, I was just, I felt invested, maybe more for the actual story, which obviously wasn't invented by um, Aaron Sorkin. But not, nevertheless, I, I credit that to the movie. Let's go to things we didn't like. I only have two things. That's it. Two things. But I could be convinced that there's some other things. Um, two small things. Um, during one of the protesting scenes... There are these frat boys who are uh, egging on one of the women who carry or carrying a uh, who's carrying an American flag. She's a, one of the yippies, um, and they their dialogue is. I like the way Caleb put it uh, when I talked about it yesterday. It that shows that Aaron Sorkin has not been on a college campus in decades uh, because that dialogue was terrible. I mean, I understand the point of showing these, you know these sexist boys saying things, but when I heard the one boy say 10 times, just in different orders, make me a sandwich, go to the kitchen, I was about done. Like, I was just like, that's, come on. Like, 
a little bit more, like a little bit more. Uh, that's all I'm asking. And then the ending. Um, I was at first viewing, not a, didn't, didn't hurt me. The ending, um, like didn't hurt my viewing of the film on, on some reflection, uh, overnight. It was weak. Um, it, it was weak. I, I liked what I liked that it ended on the scene where he was reading off the names of the victims of Vietnam. I didn't like how the film slowed it down, you know, did the typical biopic, you know, here's where they are now, you know, thing did like that. Did actually happen in real life? Um, did he actually, like, stand up and name? I believe so. Um, I will not confirm that. I, I from, from, the, from the research I have done... I don't know the pure accuracy of this film. It's really hard with a biopic. Um, and that's where, you know, it, it always sucks because you never know how much of this really did happen, how much of the dialogue is really accurate, um, how much of it is completely dramatized. You know, some of it, I don't know. I, I didn't hate the the very ending when they showed some of the, you know, oh, here they are now things. Like, you're going to always get that from a biopic. Um, and I even like the little stat that showed that 76% of the uh, uh, lawyers voted that the judge was like incompetent or like unqualified, um, which was pretty great. Um, just to see a little justice right there. <laughs> um, otherwise, you know, I, I've never been a fan of the, the the slow, you know, everything slows motion. You get the you get the two minutes of, you know, dialogue and a little bit of music in the background. And then it just kind of goes to credits like. I don't know a better way to handle it. I'm not a director, uh, not a filmmaker, but it's uh, it's eh. to me doesn't deteriorate the movie that much. But it wasn't the strongest point. Apparently, Tom Hayden did not actually. He did not. Oh Good my to God, know. Terrible choice. Well, so right? then it was actually a little. I'm a little less. Oh, like that is like one of the, the most. Choice. Like that is legitimately um, one of the most dramatic things I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, I would have rather. What would I have rathered? Um, I would have rather seen their sentencing. I would have rather seen a lot of other things. Um, especially now knowing in retrospect, I understand biopics need to be dramatized. That's a little unnecessary. I, in, in fact, I might lean on it being a little disrespectful, not disrespectful, but it's... I honestly think it might have worked without the music. <laughs> yeah, uh, like yeah. If you had just toned down the music, I think it would have Let me say this so before better. we go into the negative things. Um, we still have good, a good amount of time. I am interested. Um, I, I compare this movie to um, my other favorite, uh, I guess, courtroom legal drama, which was a miniseries on uh, net. It wasn't on net. Well, it is on Netflix. It's by uh, American Crime Story. Uh, and it is the People versus O.J. Simpson. And uh, I really enjoyed that. Again, focuses probably probably like 70% of it is in a courtroom. Uh, but the way it's handled is immaculate. And it is probably my favorite miniseries I've ever seen. Um, I, my point was, I'm almost curious what this would be like as a miniseries. And I, 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 it might lose some of its weight, perhaps, because there wasn't as much drama as the film would probably make you feel like there was as there was with the OJ case. Um, but I almost wonder if certain things would benefit from being longer, but the movie can't be longer. The movie was long enough, but I almost wonder how things would be different if it was a miniseries. I don't know. That's just an interesting thought in my head. I don't think it needed to be any longer. Um, I, I, I'm just, I'm just saying. I, as someone that enjoys the the dynamics of the courtroom, it might have taken a lot of the the breath out of it. It probably would have lost its 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 engine. 
Um, but I don't know. And I think the the trial, it's like the the drama of the trial itself hinges so much on Judge Hoffman being a complete lunatic. And if you stretch that out, and if every if at every time in like a say a ten episode miniseries some progress was going to be made in the courtroom and then judge hoffman was like no if that happened in 10 episodes then yeah it, that was i i agree with you no i you i mean i i do agree with that um i also wish there was a little bit more of joseph gordon levitt in the movie i thought his character was very interesting um because i thought he had this role of like um playing the lawyer who was doing his job and at times in the courtroom was doing things that almost made you feel like, oh, he doesn't want to be doing this. And then at the end, you know, he, he you know, he stands when they're reading the names and he's showing his respect and and things like that. He definitely is a character that had some, a little bit of depth that I wish was explored more. But what can I, what can you do? Yeah, I think that sort of gets to what I um, ultimately think really hampers the film for me. Like, the idea of, like, unexplored depth. Like, I sort of talked about it when we discussed, or when I was discussing the social network with the quips and the um, climactic scene. Not the climactic scene. One of the highest energy scenes in this film, where the flashback is really used subjectively. And we get to see how, like, an opposing attorney might view the, like, events that happened versus the subjective viewpoint of Tom Hayden. And... I feel like that was just lost in this film for me. Like, I don't want to keep harkening back to this film because, like, I think it because it's not even one of my favorite movies. But I do like it more than this one. Like the 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 social network hinges on the like subjective truths between like Mark Zuckerberg and like the twins that are suing him, as well as like his friend who got like screwed over. And it's this like juxtaposition between what they're saying in the courtroom versus like the flashbacks that we've seen. And I feel like that energy is completely lost here in a way that ends up making this feel a little flatter to me. It's a little more like it's just there, you know? It's like there's there's not much else to it for me. So it's like something that's entertaining, but doesn't really like excite me, if that makes sense. Um, I I think that's really like, my main my main issue with it not including the like what we've sort of talked about already with the um with the uh like the score the final scene what i've said about some of the comedy that's that's really my main the main thing that i ha- the main thing that i have with the movie i think yeah eric hit it on the nose with being entertained without being excited um Nothing more to add on that front. Um, it's interesting. I'll go back to something you said, Zach, which to me almost feels a little contradictory. You say that you love Aaron Sorkin and that you think <laughs> that this is Aaron Sorkin's finest writing. And to me, like Eric said, this almost didn't even feel like Aaron Sorkin. Uh, it lacked the snappy, the sharp, the colorful, the the just very rapid dialogue that that defines him. 
Maybe that was a plus for me. <laughs> so I don't get a Glengarry Glen Ross or something. <laughs> Although that's not Aaron Sorkin, but with David Mamet. And I just that I think that that was a disappointment for me at least. Um and I think because of who he is, the fact that he almost watered down his style really harms the movie overall. And I think that uh, in addition to this uh, miscalculation in regards to subjectivity makes this, leaves this entertainment entertaining, but makes it not so exciting. Uh, I'll compare this to his previous movie, uh, Molly's Game, which I thought was, you know, as Sorkin as it gets. I think overloaded with Sorkin. I think he has a happy medium that exists with, you know, the social network or the West Wing, uh, which I watched this summer and, and has already become one of my favorite shows. Uh, Molly's Game was absolutely loaded with speed and... Uh, explosions explosions of words that are just were too much uh for me most of the time just over the top eschewing any notion of, of reality i think it was it really was like he was trying to create characters that existed in a different world where you had to speak with more words per minute uh with you know at least you know three adjectives per noun you know, just just crazy stuff that nobody would talk about, just in the name of his style. And that that put me off, but I would still prefer that to come from Aaron Sorkin. I would prefer him to go overboard on his own style, than to half-ass it, which I feel like he did here, whether intentionally or not. This this was just a a diluted version of himself, which if you're you know, going for Sorkin, that's that's not really what you're looking for. I think he was trying, if he was trying to do something different, perhaps, you know, there's room to give him a chance, but I think he was trying to do himself, trying to do himself, <laughs> but uh, just with without the intensity that, that he's known for, and I think that really ended up hurting the movie. Additionally, um... After seeing Molly's Game and now this, I think it's pretty clear that he's not a great director. Um, a lot of the shots he included felt a lot of a lot of the coverage shots felt perfunctory. Um, like he read in a director's manual, "Hey, you gotta show everybody's reactions." Like, all right, make sure you stay on, you know, stay on the character for his line. Okay, then give it a moment. All right, now go to the person sitting next to him. All right, got that. Now go to the crowd. Oh, he's talking again. Got to go back. And it was very, you know, it was very formal. It's not very interesting direction, um, I didn't think. And the biggest problem I had was, surprisingly, the, the, the characterization, um, which I never thought I would say in a Sorkin movie. I might have qualms with the specific employment of his style, but I've never taken issue with, with his characters because they usually do have such a strong sense of desire. But what do these characters want? Not for other people, not in the sense of, you know, 
uh, take down the government and the war, but what do they want for themselves? I don't know. What actions do they take to get what they want for themselves? In the flashbacks, maybe that's more clear, but in the present moment, while this whole trial is going on that lasted at least 150 days, what are they doing to get what they want? I don't know. All you really know about these characters is that they're the good guys and the bad guys. And as Eric said, the subjectivity here is not as great. And I think that leads to a movie that is uncharacteristically for Sorkin, very, very black and white. And because of the true story, that can still be entertaining. But when things are so black and white, it's hard to stay excited. And, um, you know, to, to use the social network, as we've been discussing, it's very clear that, you know, all the characters in the social network want more than, than just, you know, professional goals. Or they want their professional goals to be achieved for a more personal reason, to, to, uh, for validation, uh, for connection. For, for love, and that, I guess that expands to do all of uh, Sorkin's work and good writing in general. But I don't know what is driving these people deep down on the inside, not deeper than the idea that they are just good moral people. What do they want? And because I, I can't answer that question, I'm just left with a big hole. All right. So, do you have something? I was just going to like, I think we get snippets of that, uh, of what Caleb is saying, of, like, characters revealing themselves to be more than we thought they were. Like, we get a sense mm-hmm. at the beginning, like, you talked about Joseph Gordon-Levitt um, at the beginning and, like, at the end, like, at the very end of the film when he also stands up in solidarity. Like, he is this character that, who is faced with a task in which, which he, like, doesn't really agree with, but for his, like, personal professional, like, goals... He has to do it. And I think the other really revealing one, not re- maybe not revealing, but the other interesting one to me is the what like the conversation or like the conflict between Tom Hayden, played by Adrian Main, and Sacha Baron Cohen's Abby Hoffman, in which like we realized like Hoffman's um like Hoffman's whole like hippie thing is not as is like is more calculated than we're at first led to believe. I just I think perhaps it comes a little too late or there's so many characters that it can't necessarily like handle all of that. But I, I think, I think there are snippets of it there. All right. Well, last week my enemy was, was Eric. And this week (laughs) my enemy has changed. I have some notes. Do I think this is Aaron Sorkin's best writing? Yes. Why do I think it doesn't seem that way? I think he's presented with a much more daunting task. Do I think he succeeds still? Yes. To address these points, um, and I, I don't, I'm obviously what I'm saying is not fact. Um, I don't think I have to say that to you two. Um, but like, you know, Caleb and I have our own opinions. When it comes to the directing, was it formulaic? Yes, I, I agree with that. Um, did it fit the movie? It fit. Was it creative? Not as much as it could have been. I I, I, I still didn't... I'm not going to comment too much on Aaron Sorkin as a director. I've only seen this movie. Uh, I'm very interested in seeing Molly's Game. 
Um, I do think that I don't hate a more formulaic directing approach for this film, but again, I can see how it it just does feel like a bare minimum. Um, the two points I want to focus on are the characterization and the idea of this not being a traditional Aaron Sorkin piece or it being kind of watered down. The characterization, I disagree. Uh, uh, I disagree. Uh, I think uh, <laughs> I think that, um, again, the task is much more daunting here in the fact that you are dealing with, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not trying to bail him out here. Um, I do think there was a lot of characters in the social network that he had to manage and he did a great job with that. I think here though, the focus is a little bit more on the, the when you're when you're doing something like this, I think his focus did take less out of the characters and the de- the depth of the personalities and more into the overarching story slash the like the whole the pinnacle of it all of of the of these people uh you know being wrongly accused of something and I I do think that you know you mentioned that it's black and white in terms of um you know the good guys bad guys I don't know if that's entirely true I I think maybe I think when I'm watching it. I have a very strong opinion, but I think especially towards the end, it becomes a little bit more muddy when the, when the, um, it's definitely still framed in a way because, you know, um, I'm talking about the, the, the mock cross-examination scene with, um, uh, what's his name? Um, Tom Hayden. Tom Hayden. And I, I think you do see some, a gray area here where he actually, yeah, he did start the riots, but. I, you know, the way it's framed and the way it's it, it's posed is he didn't mean to and he was doing it out of a gut reaction for his friend. But I do know people who would watch this film and, and view them as the negative person, as the bad guys. But is that the way Sorkin is framing it? No, I do agree. He is framing it as though it is very uh, black and white. Uh, but I do think there is some ambiguity there as still, even though it didn't come until pretty late. Um why do I think this is Aaron Sorkin's best writing? I I actually think that it's not watered down, but it is done in in a tasteful way, dealing with um, a very much more important issue than say the life of Mark Zuckerberg. Um, the reason I feel that way is I still felt the dialogue at a lot of times was witty, was poignant. Um, I, I thought there were there were moments that made me laugh, made me, you know, there's there's the there's typical Aaron Sorkin moments of like of uh, the really like, oh, this is serious. And like, here's the the the, the ripple effects, you know, uh, you know, when he's talking about, um, you know, how we're not doing this, you know, we're not doing this for ourselves or, you know, things like that. Um, I, I, I enjoy it because I felt like Aaron Sorkin did something a lot of people can't do, which is that he made a courtroom both realistic in some aspects but also very entertaining um and i i think it might be a difficult job to do in an entertaining way and i i just found myself um you know in my personal opinion i just found myself much more believed in his writing and much more engaged with his writing in this film than I was in previous films. Um, but that's just how I feel. Um, but yeah. Uh, is there anything else or should we go on to our final? Yeah, do you want to start and then to give your final review? and Because uh, you can... 
I, I don't think that this is really any more of a daunting task than previous efforts. Um, I don't think it's more daunting than, you know, having to write for the president of the United States and, and the, the entire West Wing. Um, I don't think it's more daunting than taking one of the biggest cultural icons of our time in, in Mark Zuckerberg and turning his, his brain inside out and, and create, and making interesting, um, the creation of a website, (laughs) you know, I think, I think this might actually be easier because he has so many characters to work with and he has such a robust story to work with. Whereas a social network, he's like, it's a story of building a website and then getting sued over a website. I think that's a lot harder to, to draw the drama, uh, out of. I don't it just it just felt like a weaker effort. I didn't think the dialogue was particularly witty or poignant or sharp. And uh, of course it all culminated in a kind of ridiculous ending. I I just can't get the shot out of my head where it's the very end and uh Hayden's reading the names and the whole courtroom is applauding and we're fading out so we can see the whole courtroom and then Judge Hoffman is just banging his gavel over and over and over again like that's the <laughs> most go back and watch that scene sometime and just watch just watch Judge Hoffman <laughs> banging his gavel over and over and over again and tell me that's not the most ridiculous thing you, you've ever seen um and yeah there I guess there are uh, you you could you could take uh, Hayden's mock cross examination. You could take it to be like, oh, maybe he's not uh, you know, perfect, but it's never called into question. These are the good guys. Prosecution is the bad guys, and we're just gonna let that play out. Um, and I think you know, we've been talking about Joseph Gordon Levitt's character. I think he he was misdrawn from the beginning. He sh- I think he sh- from the from the first scene you can kind of tell that he's not into what he's doing. So when he finally comes around and stands up, it's not a big transition. You don't feel very much. You've you've been kind of waiting for it, honestly. Uh, I think he should have been much colder. I don't even know if if Joseph Gordon Levitt was was the right character. I'm sorry, was the right actor for this character as it should have been. Um, because I think he is, he is just a pretty likable guy in general, and I think it would have been stronger to, to cast him in, in a darker light to begin <clears throat> to to uh, have some growth. Um, <clears throat> so even even that transition, which might be the biggest transition, didn't feel like much. It was... I, I, I maintain that this is Sorkin's most black and white effort. It's just, it's simple, it's... The good guys versus the bad guys. The direction follows the formula uh, that that the writing sets out, and just a disappointment. Um, I did like the acting. Uh, haven't gotten to speak on that. I agree. Sasha Baron Cohen uh, gave the finest performance, and I know some people were bothered by the accents by various characters. <laughs> I guess Baron Cohen and, and Eddie Redmayne. Didn't bother me at all. Um, I thought they were, they were fine. Um, 
Yeah, so I guess I'll finish it here and give this movie two and a half stars. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to go next. I, I think I liked it slightly better than Caleb did. I'm not going to get into it all anymore, but I, I do agree that my general issue with the film is its black and whiteness, and that by the end of the movie, especially with that ending, it really, to me, feels like less than the sum of its parts. Um, I think it's very entertaining. The film really just, by virtue of such a dramatic premise, like really drives forwards. Um, but ultimately, it doesn't really it leave much of an impression. But as I said with Night of the Living Dead, like, I had a fine time watching it. It's worthwhile. Um, three stars. All right. So I'm going to, I've said a lot. Um, my two things that I want to say, you know, not to get the last word in over Caleb, um, but I will do that. Um, <laughs> no, I, I don't disagree with anything he's saying. I mean, I do disagree with it. I don't think he's, I don't think he's wrong. I, I think both can be true that I can disagree and he's not wrong. Um, I, 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 I do agree this movie is very black and white. I said that before. And I almost think maybe I'm going to get a little bit too into my beliefs here, but I think it I think it is. I think it's because it is. And I think it's because in my personal viewpoint the 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 events that happened were so black and white, maybe in a literal sense that I have no problem with Aaron Sorkin's framing of this as being black and white. Um, I, I, I think you know from the get-go that from the very first scene that you know this whole thing is bullshit. You know that this whole trial is bullshit. You know that the charges have never been used before, that they had only been created by, you know, white Southerners to target African-Americans. Um... And, and I'm not trying to say that Caleb nor Eric are trying are, are saying that oh maybe the government isn't a good guy here. I don't think they're saying that. Um, but I I I do. I I guess I less feel strongly or I God, I I feel less strongly about criticizing the the black and whiteness of of this film because I might be biased in the the ideas of the film. Um, and I don't know, I, I enjoyed this film a lot. And again, I, I spoke to why I, I enjoy courtrooms. I enjoy I enjoy Sorkin's writing. So the blending of the two worked for me very well. The cast was incredible. The acting was great. Um, I, I didn't notice the music was g good enough for me. Um, by no means am I going to be listening to it as I fall asleep like I do to Interstellar or First Man or uh, many others that I can mention. Uh, but it did its job you know, maybe got in the way a little bit. But uh at the end of the day, um I I I, I enjoyed this film a lot. And I it made me very, very passionate. And I think the reason I feel so strongly about this film is just because when I reflect and even in the moment when I was writing notes and I look back on them, I just had such intense reactions to things and such intense feelings. Um and maybe that's more to say about the situation than it is Sorkin's writing. But I'm going to attribute it to both. And for that reason, uh, I gave this movie not two and a half stars, nor three stars, but in fact, five stars. 
and I I Case still <laughs> and I will hear no objections. Uh, that is I overruled. And on oh, that the entire end, audience in the, in, the, in, the, in the courtroom would all the chant overruled at the same time. That, <laughs> um, that being said, uh, I think this was a great podcast episode. And, uh, you know, honestly, I don't know if we meant it, but both uh, both films had this more commentary on society than maybe we originally realized they did in terms of connection. Well, OK, well, this movie we kind of we knew. But uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, five star movie for me. Five stars. You'd love to see it. You'd love to see it. <laughs> or maybe you'd not love to see it oh, as much. Oh, you always but... <laughs> love to see five stars. <laughs> With that, uh, we uh, have gone a little bit over time, probably our longest in a while, but uh, we thank you for listening and we will see you next time. <laughs>